0: The following audio is from the Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. Welcome to Student Led Sunday, where the youth take over everything, except security, because we can't trust students with that. Just kidding. Uh, Glad you're here. My name is Aaron. I'm the youth pastor here, and my hope today is that you were greeted by some obnoxious teenagers saying hi with a smile on their face, maybe waving a board at you. Now, if they hit you with that board, then make sure you come talk to me after service and we'll make it right. But uh, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I love being a part of a church that loves and believes in students. Uh, I love being able to take over a Sunday and be here today. Uh, So thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you for trusting me with your children. Uh, I don't take that lightly. Um, As some of you know, uh, some of you don't know, but you're going to know, um, I w- I've been gone uh, this last week was my first week back in the office because my wife uh, for the last like nine plus months has been pregnant and on Mother's Day we actually had our little boy Gideon Crawford Den and this is a picture of my family we love we love going from three to four uh, but I'm gonna be honest with you it is more difficult than I ever thought it could to go from passing one kid between two people to now we both have a kid at all times. Um, with, with Abby, who's, this is, oh sorry, this is my wife Cassandra. If you haven't met her yet, she's gorgeous, incredible. Uh, she is by far the best thing that's happened to me since Jesus. Um, that's my beautiful daughter Abby. Uh, she steals the show even when it's not about her. Uh, as you can see in this photo. Uh, and then obviously my little boy named Gideon Crawford Din. Uh, such a stud. I love this kid. He is more alive, more strong than Abby was, so she better watch out. Um, But we love having, we love having a kid, so thank you. Uh, For those of you who have brought us a meal, who have just prayed for us, who have not stopped hounding me to see my son, uh, in due time, in due time, you'll get there. So, Uh, but yes, we had our boy. Love, love, love being a dad. Of two kids now, it's a whole different ballgame. So all you who have more than two, God be with you. So, um, (laughs) Yeah, so I'm, I'm the youth pastor. I want to just quickly highlight a couple things from Remedy, uh, our weekly youth service that happens on Wednesday nights. Uh, we just wrapped up a series called Goliath in which we, are, uh, which we were just asking students, man, we believe that there's some things in our lives that we can't seem to overcome. And uh, we referred to them as Goliath. And the beauty of Goliath is his story. Uh, in the Old Testament, First Samuel chapter 17, Goliath dies. Goliath is defeated because of who God is. And David defeats Goliath, not because of David's ability to throw a rock in his head, but because God's the one provided victory. Uh, and so we've been, over the last four weeks, been talking about Goliaths, and what Goliath is in your life, and we've got victory in peace, we've got victory over fear, uh, and we've got the victory of purity and holiness because of Jesus, uh, and the response from your children has been overwhelming. Uh, I've been so encouraged and so inspired and excited for the future of our world because of what God's doing in these young people. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you as parents, you may not always get to see what I get to see because I see them in a shorter span or and once a week, you see them every day of the week. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying, keep believing. As a church, can I encourage you, keep investing and in praying and believing for young people because the beauty of what God is doing in Remedy Youth is that it, our work is not done yet. What God is doing in Grove Kids, our work is not done yet. There are children, and there are families, and there are teenagers in Snohomish County that need Jesus, and I believe we've called to be a light in, that, in the dark world that we live in. Uh, so please keep praying, please keep celebrating. Uh, I met a young man named Christian this last week who's his first time ever coming to church. He's 17 years old. He's never been to church before. He has no clue about Jesus. He's just like, hey, his friend brought him who's been coming for four weeks, and she brought him over and said, hey, he needs to talk to you. So like, okay, what do you want to talk about? He's like. I don't know, what do you gotta tell me? So I literally got to talk about Jesus, John three sixteen, which as a pastor sometimes I rarely get to do it, it's weird to say that, but it being able to sit down with this individual and just say, okay, here's, here's the basics of what you need to know about God's love for you. And to where he literally had a moment on Wednesday night, he's like, I haven't cried in five years. He's like, it was a good moment tonight. I'm like, so what's God doing? He's like, I don't know, but it was good tonight. And that was it, encouraged him, he has a Bible, We'll see what God's doing, but keep praying, keep believing in young people, because I believe they are not our future, they are present, they are now, and they matter, and so thank you for being a part of a church that believes in young people. Uh, One of the things I want to encourage you about, thank you for the amen, one of the things I want to encourage you about is in two weeks, we do this every year on Father's Day, uh, and we take a syndicate to camp offering, which is all of the money that we bring in on this Sunday helps scholarship students and children to camps. We do a, a yearly summer camp for kids. We do a yearly winter camp for students. Uh, and I've seen countless students be able to go to camp, have an incredible experience with God that is changing the course of their life. Many of the students that you've seen up here or even greeting you have had encounters with God. I would encourage you before you leave, side note, ask them about what God's doing in their life because there's some cool stories there. So, uh, but I want to encourage you in two weeks' time, we're going to be taking this offering. I would pray about, God, how can you use me? Because if we all give a little, it impacts greater than we could ever do on our own, amen? We get to start a new series today, uh, obviously called you Got a Friend in Me. I love the stage design. This is actually my bedroom from home. Um, So if I jump in bed and take, I'm just kidding, no. uh, But the team did an incredible job as we launched into this series. Uh, We're dialoguing about the idea of biblical friendship. What does it actually mean? How does it actually play out? Uh, And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I remember um, many times people have told me that I'm pretty friendly, uh, I've got a good smile, so when I smile and I say hi to people, uh, even after last service, people came in just like, "Man, you're you're a good friend to me. You're friendly to me. You smile. You always check in with me," uh, and so I've been described as as a really friendly person. Uh, and we've even heard that that same story and that same statement about the, our, the Grove Church about you as the Grove Church that it's a very friendly church. And so it begs the question: Why do we need to jump into a series about biblical friendship if we seem to have? this conversation of being friendly nailed. And I think this is the reason why. Because this is my story. That we're really, we could be really good at being friendly, but it doesn't always mean we're really good at being friends. And as I've prepared and as I've thought about today, I literally feel so inadequate because I've realized, God, I'm not a very good friend. (laughs) I'm really good at being friendly. And the difference that I I want to make very clear is this, that there's a problem in our world, and the problem is simply this, that the world is very good at being friendly. It's, it's very good at having the appearance of caring for people, of engaging people, of loving people, but the world isn't necessarily the best at being a friend. And what I mean by that is actually investing the time it takes to really care for people, to really love people, to really engage relationships. And I would say in my life, I've, I've erred more on this side. I've been more friendly than I have been a friend because it's so much more easy and convenient to be, a f- to be friendly versus being a friend. Because it requires time and effort. See, in our world, I believe this problem exists. And it's, it's ironic to me because we, we've never been more connected than we are today. With all of the social media, with all of the things that allow access to people's lives, we know before we see anybody whether they're having a good day, a bad day, a mediocre day, or like a different emoji kind of day. We know because we see a post about it. We know when someone's had a baby, what they've named them, how much they weigh long before they ever get to see the family. Why? Because of social media. We've never been more connected than we have and are today. But I would argue we're also some of the most lonely people. I would argue that social media creates an idea that we're well connected and have a lot of friends. But in reality, if we stop for a moment, we realize those thousand people that I'm friends with, they're more acquaintances. They check in or they like a comment or a picture more than they actually pick up the phone and make a phone call. Now some people don't know what a phone call is anymore because all they know is t- talking with their thumbs. It's okay, I'm in that boat too. But I believe that we have to understand that it's not just a social media issue. It's not just a digital conversation. It's not just those of you on Facebook or Instagram or you Snapchat or whatever. It's, it's not just that conversation. I believe the reason why we're really good at being friendly but not good at being friends, because it's, it also goes into the conversation of our schedule. We just have no time for other people. And when we do have time for someone, it's about getting a task list or a checklist item off of our list to do so we can then move on to the next one. So we check in just for the sake of checking a box, but not engaging friendship. See, I believe the problem exists because it's, it's sometimes it's about my success. So we work really long hours believing the lie that says, once I get to this point, then I'll really invest and prioritize friendship in my life. See, I believe we have this problem, maybe not because of those things for you, but maybe it's about your status or your popularity. It's about who you're hanging out with, who you're taking selfies with, who you're, who you're, you're able to name drop because you hung out with them. Dude, did you see that person I hung out with? Yeah, who is he? I don't know, but it's all about our status. It's all about our popularity, and the problem is when the trends change or the people no longer are in the spotlight, so do our friendships. I believe it's also, we have a problem because it's sometimes about my agenda or my motives. What can the skill set of this individual bring to me and benefit me? See, the problem is we have allowed ourselves to be more important than others which in turn is directly contradictory to what Jesus has modeled for us, where he laid his life down for others, where he said to to prefer one another. This is not how it's meant to be. Friendship is not meant to be about us. So how do we get here? I have a few observations. The first is I think we've lost our ability to trust. I think in the world we live in, it's really hard to now trust people because we don't know their intentions, motivations, or even why they're talking to us. Because the more we remove ourselves from relationship with individuals and we begin to distance ourselves because of different means and different schedules and different rhythms, we no longer trust people. Why are you coming to my door? Who are you? What do you want from me? See, I think we've also put people at a distance because we've been afraid of being offended, being hurt or even disagreed with. We can't have common conversations from opposite perspectives anymore. So we distance our pe- ourselves from people. See, I believe we settle for the convenience of acquaintances over the fulfillment of friendship. And before we go any further, let me tell you, while there is a problem, here's a reminder for us today, there's hope because of Jesus. Because Jesus has not set in motion, well, you guys have made your bed, now go lie in it. No, God has created in his divine order a way out. There's hope for you and for me. Someone who's a grumpy, recovering grumpy neighbor. I don't want to talk to people. Leave me alone. I'm going to shut my garage door. I'll wait in my car for the garage door to fully shut. Then I'll get out. Used to be me. Not even joking. God has wired us so uniquely and strategically for this world to find hope, meaning, and love. But it requires us to first understand why. So we're jumping into a conversation over the next month about friendship. And I challenge you and encourage you to lean into this, not to check out. We see, In order to remember or understand this conversation, we have to start with why. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what biblical friendship looks like, why it's so important. But today, I want us to actually spend time and actually hit on why is this important. Why do you and I need to hear this? Because if if we're good at being friendly or we have some decent friendships, why do I need to listen to this? Because it starts at creation. I want to read two simple passages for us. I want to pray, share a few thoughts, and then we'll get out of here today and enjoy the sunshine, hopefully, in the name of Jesus says this in Genesis all the way back to creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. We're going to read verse 26 and jump into chapter 2. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Stop there intentionally, verse, or jump to chapter 2 verse 18 to 25. It says this, then the Lord God said, this is after he created man, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just Right for him. Thank God for that. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him, even cats and dogs. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, a man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Let's pray today for God's word. God, thank you for your word. I pray you would help each of us to have our hearts open to what you would speak to each of us. God, you know our situations, God, you know our context. Give us faith to trust you, and I pray we would have wisdom to identify where we need to listen more clearly to what you would have for us, in Jesus' name, amen. See, to start off in Genesis chapter one, I wanna bring very clear focus to a simple phrase, to be like us. God is talking about creating human beings, humanity as we know it, and he says that I want them to be like us. Why is that so important? because we have to remember today, you and I are created to be like God. We're not created to be God, that's a whole different conversation, a whole different religion. We're created to be like God. And what he's referring to is in relationship. See, God has in in the Trinity, which is a a belief that God is three three persons in one being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all together united as one. God wants relationship and community like he has, like he's experiencing, As a trinity, he wants us to live in that same community. He wanted you and I because he understood in order to be fulfilled in what he has for us, it requires community for each of us. We have to be in community. See, God exists in perfect community as a trinity, and so he created us for community as well. We're not meant to be alone. That's good news because I don't know if I could handle life alone. I couldn't handle the silence. I couldn't handle sitting at home by myself. When my wife and family are gone for a weekend and I'm a bachelor, it stinks. It's lame. I don't, uh, I'm don't. like, babe, when are you coming home? She's like, I've only been gone five minutes. I'm like, please come back. Don't leave me. I'm in the ball crying in a corner when my wife comes back every week. I'm just kidding, not really, but there's times I feel like I need to because I'm created for community. We have to understand, too, because God said let us make them like us, that the c- purpose of this community is not for ourselves. It's not about us. The purpose of community that God has created us for is for him. Think about it for a second. The world does not need to hear your story as much as they need to hear about a heavenly father who loves them like crazy, who sent his son 2,000 years ago to die on a cross so they could have life and purpose and meaning. So they would know that they matter and they belong. You and I can only do so much in our humanity, in our limitations. God's love is so extravagant, and wherever you're at today, it can overwhelm and permeate every aspect of your life. The world needs to know that love, not my limited love. This community that God created you and I for is not meant to be about us. Think about it Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Why? Because you and I were separated in a relationship from God because of sin, we're broken. There's, there's, there's a massive gap that we can't bridge. So Jesus came so he can reconcile all of humanity back to its father. So we could be back in relationship with our heavenly father. Jesus showed up so we would be reconciled. There's a lot more to this conversation about who Jesus is and why he came. But the context of this community, this is why Jesus showed up. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and I as believers. So we would continue to grow in our understanding of who God is. And live in alignment and according to that simple truth the Holy Spirit and Jesus are all about reminding us of God who loves us like crazy. All about pointing the focus back to God. Much in the same way, community that you and I are meant to live in, community that honors God, community that brings fulfillment, community that is overwhelmingly incredible is not about us. It's about making him the center and the priority. See, we see this play out in Genesis chapter two. A very familiar passage for many of us. If you've ever been to a wedding, Sometimes this phrase, like this, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and father, yada yada yada, blah blah blah. Who cares? Because that isn't relevant to us today. But what is relevant is the intrinsic conversation in this statement. It's it's a big word called the ontological reason, which in other words means this: reason for existence. Man was created for relationship. He's a relational being. God saw it wasn't good for him to be alone. This is a problem. When God created Adam, he realized that there was a problem. And this problem was that he was all alone. And this problem was if 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 you're created in God's image, you're created for community. If you don't have community, there's a problem. The very beginning of creation, God recognized this. The very beginning of creation, God realized okay, this isn't good for man to be alone. The, the problem was not God's fault. See, God didn't like, oh shoot, I wouldn't even think about that, I messed up. How can I fix this so no one realizes that I messed up? God didn't mess up. God created perfectly as God would create perfectly. It wasn't God's mess up. The problem did not exist on Adam's performance as as a human being. Well, you're kind of subpar, so we need to create someone else to make you better. It wasn't Adam's fault, you gotta remember, this is pre-fall. This is before sin entered the world. This is before Adam and Eve decided to rebel and be disobedient to what God has set in motion. Don't eat from that. But it looks so good. This was before all that happened. God saw Adam in his perfect form and realized that it was still not good. Why? Because his humanity limited his ability to be in community by himself. Animals don't give us the right community. We see that in Genesis 2. I'm not against animals. Humanity, people, is what we're meant to be in relationship with. We're meant to be in relationship with each other. The person to your left and the person to your right. That's who we're called to be in relationship with because we need each other. See, your growth and your significance are worked out in the context of relationship. How you grow and how you understand you matter is in the context of being in a relationship. When God saw Adam was alone, he realized that this was a problem. So he created Eve. He created the right person for relationship. You matter today. You matter to God. You matter to us. We matter for each other because we need each other. Relationships and community are part of our divine design. It's how God made us. And we need to understand today that we reflect Christ more beautifully when we pursue biblical friendship, when we pursue Christ-centered relationships. See, Jesus said in John 13, 35, that the world will know, you will prove to the world that you are my disciples, that you're my followers, you will prove to the world by your love for one another. Biblical friendship is about loving each other, not loving ourselves. Because we need each other. We cannot, will not come close to fulfilling what we were created to do without relationships, without each other. There's some of you here today, your relationships are good, but there's still someone else for you to be in relationship with. There's some of you today, You gotta step out in faith one more time. Okay, God, I'm gonna trust you one more time. I've been hurt too many times before. God is greater than our hurts. And I believe today he would redeem relationship in your life if you would just step out and trust him. In 2014, my wife and I, we we were we moved over to Marysville to be the youth pastors uh, in August of 2012. Right? Yeah, 2012, because 2013. Anyways, it's been five years almost, bro feel old every day. To be a youth pastor, it's been an incredible journey, but in 2014, we, had, we bought a house in 2011 in Spokane, uh, and we were getting it ready to sell. Our renters were no longer staying in that. They were buying their own house, and so our house was becoming vacant, and so we decided to, to sell it, and so we were going to put new carpet in because we had some really good connections. We were going to put new tile in, and we were just going to get the house ready to, to flip in a weekend, so we went Memorial Day weekend three years ago, I have a good friend of mine who was a leader on our, my youth team over in Spokane. And we've been friends for, I won't say, eight, nine years almost. Um, and it, it feels like we're just fresh f- being friends. Just the distance makes it more difficult. Anyways, we're over at my house getting it ready. He's helping me tile. He brought his little tile saw over. He taught me how to tile. Uh, so if you guys need any tiling done, don't call me. Um, <laughs> I don't have the equipment. Uh, and it was a long time ago I did this. Uh, But his name is Troy Sloan. Uh, He's a guy that I love like crazy. Him and his family, uh, Brooke and Austin. Austin's getting married. He was a student, a freshman when I was a youth pastor over in Spokane. He's now getting married uh, on a weekend that I'm going to be in Dream Center with 34 other people. Uh, So I'm going to have to FaceTime or Skype in so I can just celebrate him. Uh, But this family is very close to my family. Uh, And so we drove over to, to Spokane as a family. My daughter at that point was about nine months old. We loaded up, drove over. My in-laws came with me to help out, uh, and then Troy met me at my house, and he did a ton of work for me. He hedged some bushes. um, He helped me tile. He even helped me take my door off my hinge because the tile that we bought, we didn't think about the difference in height, uh, so we had to trim the bottom of our door off a little bit. Don't tell anybody. Um, We've since sold the house, so it's okay. But he, uh, he was an incredible individual. I mean, he was my champion that weekend, and we were packing up getting everything done I have a picture of Troy uh, looking at the the floor and looking at uh, the haze of some of the paint because we were spraying we didn't want to roll that's not the paint color that's actually an ugly color that we bought the house with Um, so um, because I know some people will notice that anyways he's standing on the tile that we put into this house and coming to the end of the weekend I was packing everything up had everything loaded in the car my wife was getting ready we were running through the house one more time to make sure of everything. While we were doing this entire crazy weekend, his wife, Brooke, was actually watching my nine-month-old daughter uh, so we could get this house turned around quickly. And incredible family. I remember getting all the water spots turned back on, putting everything back, refrigerator where it goes, the oven where it went. And I remember coming up from downstairs and all of a sudden looking at the kitchen, just seeing a puddle of water on my freshly laid tile. The grout was dry, and all of a sudden I freaked out. I jump on the floor, I'm looking in the refrigerator, looking for water to be leaking, don't see anything. And I just like, where, where, where's this coming from? This is not good news, and I pull the fridge out, and there's a water line in the back that connects to the fridge that we had, we had nicked, when we were pulling up the previous flooring, which is like laminate tiles. I, I was overwhelmed, I was discouraged, I was, I, I was beside myself. I remember sitting on the kitchen floor in tears, because I'm like, I don't know what to do, I'm so mad, because we did all this work, and all this tile, and it's all destroyed. Like, you get super extravagant and extreme, and I get overdramatic when I'm tired and I'm, I'm emotional. And so I'm just like, this is the end of the world! And I'm sitting on my kitchen floor in tears, and, I, and I'm like, I can't call my dad. He's two hours away. I can't, I can't, I can't. John and Linda already left. My in-laws had already taken off. I was like, what do I do? I remember picking up the phone and calling my friend Troy. In tears, I'm just like, dude, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'm, I'm so frustrated. I don't, I don't even know how to fix this. You can see the tile coming up a little bit. You can see the, some of the grout crack away from a tile because it was wet. And I just was at a loss. I'm trying to get my family back across the state. And he just says, Aaron, just go. Just go. He's like, I'll, I'll come check it tomorrow. Pull the refrigerator off. And I'm sitting there in tears, and even as I think about it, I get emotional because I've never before had a moment of being validated and cared for from someone who wasn't family in that moment. I'm just like, Troy, I can't ask you to do that. You've given so much to speak, and he's like, Aaron, I got you, it's fine, it's no, no big deal. He's like, I love you, I care about you, let me do this. We load up in my car, I pull my fridge out, and we lock up the house, and I'm just in tears as I'm driving away, just like, I thank you. What did I do to deserve Troy? I don't know. And I realized through this message that I've been a really bad friend. (laughs) I'm really good at being friendly. But to do what Troy did for me, I don't know if I would have. Sounds really bad to say, right? Like, you're a pastor and what? Just being honest. I've realized that this conversation of being a good friend hinges on our willingness to lean into the Holy Spirit and let him speak to us because we can be really good at being friendly. We can be a church that is identified and labeled as a friendly church, but I don't believe that's good enough for us. I don't believe we think that as a staff or pastors or a heart is not to be a church that's friendly, but to be a church that's good at being friends. We believe God has called us to community. We believe that this is why we exist, so that we could be and lean in and do life together toward when there's a hardship, when there's a difficulty that you can call someone in your body of faith, in your church family. It's like, man, I don't know what to do. And it's been so fun hearing stories of different individuals coming to different, different defenses and different helps. I have stories of when my, I blew a head gasket in my car where I had Scott Huxall coming and helping me rebuild my engine. Or I had Vern Platt being willing to come out of his busy day to come make sure that everything was checked out. I, would, like, I love the fact that we are a church, that we don't desire to continue being friendly. We desire to always be good friends. And our world is a problem because they know how to be good good at being friendly, but not being friends. See, our world does not need to hear another self-help statement. Our world does not need to be inspired. Our world needs Jesus, and it's our job in community with each other to let the world know of his love. Because our community is not about ourselves. It's about the one who created and made us. See, on your communication cards... If you want to pull that out for me, there's a communication card in the back seat, and I was awesome and forgot to grab one again. Uh, or in the program, there's a communication card. Your takeaway on this box that says, Today I will choose to let my friendships be a mutual commitment to becoming more like Christ. And I'm going to be honest with you. Today, my commitment is checking this box because I realize in my own weaknesses, in my own frailty, in my own problems, I have not been as good of a friend as God has called me to be. Now, I've been humbled because people have told me the opposite. And I'm like, great, but I know what the Holy Spirit's saying to me. So uh, I need to trust the Holy Spirit to continue to lead me to be better at this, but my commitment is the same. I'm doing this with you, not standing up here talking to you about it. But by marking this box, you're making a commitment to let the Holy Spirit evaluate evaluate you in this conversation. That over the next four weeks, over the next three weeks, as the Holy Spirit continues to remind us, what does biblical friendship look like? How does this play out? Are you going to choose to value this or you, and give up things and do what God is calling us to do in an authentic community? It's not going to be easy. It won't always be convenient. It's not always going to fit your schedule or your needs or your wants. But by checking this box, you're letting the Holy Spirit have preference to show you where and what to do. Some of you are going to have some new friendships out of this. You're going to look across the aisle, and the Holy Spirit's just going to quicken you. You need to take them to lunch with you. What? I don't even know them. You'll get to know them. The one thing it will do is it will fit God's will for our lives. There are people in our county, in our city, in our area that need Jesus, but it starts with us being a rep- good representation of who he is. The choice is yours. I don't get to make it for you. If I did, every one of those boxes would be checked. But you get to make the choice. So let me pray for you today. God, thank you for every individual in this space. God, every individual that's hearing this message. I'm humbled. But God, I pray you would use me as well. May we not become so content or so trusting that we've got it figured out. But God, may we always lay things before you and say, God, you show me where I need to work. And God, I pray that through this series, over the next several weeks, God, that you would help each of us to trust you, God, to follow your lead, and to be bold in responding to who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.